Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Previously on Laduma High. You said right, yeah? <laughs> right at the goat. Yeah, right at the goat. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't go too slowly through here because they'll have been drinking now and it's not going to be very safe. Okay. Um. <laughs> you see, the only problem that I told the police and uh, I made a, uh, we made a sketch of the suspect, what he looked like. Like a sketch? Yeah, like a sketch. We did that everything. We were in the office. I stood up and said, okay, I'm done. I'm leaving now. Yeah. Then the police said I was rude. I said, I'm not being rude because the only thing that's bothering me here, uh, why is she here? Every time we were caught, she was there. We said as children, we don't need any teacher here. Welcome to Series 2 of Alibi. The story we are telling this time is called Laduma High. I'm Paul McNally. This is Episode 3 of a six-part podcast series... We are looking into the brutal assassination of acting principal Priscilla Mkunu and why over a year later, the case has yet to be solved. I can leave the car out here, it's all right. No, bring it inside. Should I bring it inside? You'll remember Sia Bekwa, the young man who lives near Laduma High, and is dedicated to solving the case of Priscilla's death with his father, Dumasani. It's been a few months since I've seen Sia. He's had a job as a cashier, but unfortunately, he's just been let go. I'm happy to see him. He says he still thinks about the case every day and hopes he will bump into the assassins in town because he believes he'll be able to identify them. So I ask him, if you could give me a description of the assassins. What did they look like? There's two of them. Two of them. But the one that pulled the trick. A short one, light complexion, round face, small ears, mouth. Sia has a slight build. He's not stereotypical size-wise for an assassin. He's like this, it's like me. So like, and then he's not old. He's in like in 25, 26 by the age. There was very an Olister, a black chin. And the shirt. He's describing the guy who pulled the trigger, short, light-skinned, and casual clothes. He then starts describing the other one, the hitman who stood and observed. And then the other one has dreadlocks, black and skin tone, and then has some scar. Yeah. He points to his own face and touches the thin scars across his cheeks. They are part of a traditional ritual. Yeah, the scar like like music. 
mm. traditional things there. Yeah. He had them, but is, they, that, is that where your scars are from? Are they traditional scars? Yeah, they are traditional. Every baby got there by the kraal, inside the kraal, and then with lots of goats, and then they curse you. I'm cautious about being near Laduma now. Sia tells me the teacher who followed me around the location in the first episode, we are calling her Miss Gabella, was spotted at the car wash talking to men from the area on the day before Priscilla was killed. Tandy from the school governing body confirms this. Then Sia starts to explain Miss Gabella's jealousy of Priscilla while she was alive and how it has continued since she was murdered. And then in class she says to us, okay, you know what, class, I, mean, I, say, I am sick and tired now of this thing. It's starting to irritate me. There's everything is about this teacher, about her, about her. It's starting to irritate me. And then uh, there was a time where I wrote a paper. There was an essay and then the, the topic was write something that has happened to you, you'll never forget. I wrote about that whole day that my memo shot. And then the essay was taken to me, I was called to the staff room. Just to show Uti, I don't know what happened when they wrote, they read that essay, because when I was called there, I went, they said I must stand here, I stood and looked at them. So he had been asked to write a paper, and because it was about Priscilla, it caused an outcry. His paper was being read by every teacher in that staff room. They told me I should never, ever write about this thing ever again. If I, I ever write about it in my schoolwork, then I won't be marked. That paper won't be marked. I will get zero. The teacher, Miss Gabella, used to work together with Sia's father at the police station. She did admin. <laughs> and believe me, this is all starting to sound very incestuous. We reached out to Mr. Makhaba who was head of Laduma at the time, to confirm this threat of getting zero for writing about Priscilla. But he says he wasn't aware. We shift gears and start talking about the other two teachers at Laduma that Sia and his father suspect of being involved in Priscilla's killing. The one we will call Monica, and she has been openly accused in public meetings of being involved in the killing. Then there is a teacher that we are going to call Kamalo. He took over from Priscilla as Sia's history teacher after she was killed. And there was one incident between Sia and Kamalo where it all came to a head. Because every time I'm sitting there, every time we talk, the teacher explains, I don't understand. I tried to tell him that I don't understand. He shouted at me. I ended up saying, if ma'am was still alive, this this wouldn't have happened. Said that to the new teacher. Yeah. And the teacher said, I must go to the grave and dig in to tell ask her that. What? What did he say to you? I must go to the grave and dig her out and ask her that question. <laughs> wow. Okay. And then from that day, me and him were not talking, not going to his class. He's not, not coming when I'm in. When he gets in the class, I go out. Mm. I don't blame you. Sia is 21 years old now. He came to Laduma High to redo grades 11 and 12, which he'd struggled with at a much wealthier school nearby. Sia says it all began to fall apart for him in grade 11 while he was still at the wealthy school. When I reached grade 11, I started to choose wrong. Like, I chose, I left my friends and chose to join another group of friends. Mm. The other group of friends were rich kids, everything was nice. The only thing they didn't like to go to school. Uh, it's always party, party, party. People who come to school with messages. 
park Mercedes outside to see a rich guy. Me, I'm not average, me, nah, I'm just average. So I'll be like, ha, ha, ha. And then I'll be told, don't use your money, keep your money. I got my friend called Josh. Josh was a man, was rich. Hey, man was rich. He would tell me, keep your money, don't worry. He would say that to you. Tell me, keep your money, don't worry. I'll buy you anything you want. Let's go. When he got to Laduma, he says some of the teachers teased him for being from what they called a white school and would often ask him when he was going back. I mean, imagine that. Because you'd expect the pupils to tease a kid from a richer school if they're coming there, but the, not the te- I mean, you'd expect the pupils to do it, not the teachers. I was, early, I was actually told, you're not going to do pyramids. You're not going to do what you like here. This is not a white school. This black school. We own this school. <laughs> I was like, oh, whoa. Kamala would tell Sia, you think you're smart. You think you're clever just because you can read English. You think you're clever because you can read English better than me. You think you're clever. Wow. How? Because, you see, when he reads, I know he can't read. I don't know how come maybe he was a teacher. He, there are words which you read, you read, you read. When it comes to that word, he's going to say, Beg. Say, call my name. My name is Beg. Beg. Pronounce this name, I'll pronounce it. Almost every teacher had gotten into the habit of asking him to pronounce words for them. Even my English teacher would be like, you go, my teacher used to call me in metric, my teacher used to call me, I'm, the, I'm, I'm her dictionary. Laduma's pass rate in matric has been in real trouble in recent years. In 2018, only 47% of learners in their final year passed, according to a recent issue of Edu News. The target for the province is 85%. Some background on Kamalo. He owns taxis and a tuck shop on the side, as well as being a teacher. Tia went one day to go and visit the tuck shop. When I went there to buy, I'm like, I want chips. So where is the shop? On top of the hill. There, on top of the hill. It is trees. Yeah, Lily, we're not going to see it, yeah? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's there. There! The first mountain here. Okay. It's there. You can't see it exactly, but it's there. Kamalo working on his tuck shop, as well as being a teacher, is a source of tension with parents and members of the school governing body that I speak to. But this doesn't make him a killer. And continuously on this story, people conflate their own issues with a person with them being a suspect of the murder. And what is shocking to me is how readily people are to believe that so many people are capable of such a crime. Last year when I was doing my metric, I wasn't attending his class. He told me not to attend his class anymore. I asked him why. He said, because I'm talking too much. So now, like, everything, everyone is scared. Nobody want to talk. I'm the only one who's talking. Kill me as well so you can stop me. Even now, when I meet that guy... He just stopped his car and looked at me and just pointed me like this. Waves, waves, your, waves his finger at you. He's saying, I'm going to get you. Then I just look at him and just smile. Because I told him, you're not going to do anything to me. I'm not scared of you. You can kill me. I know you can kill me, but I don't care. And then there is something that brings all of this into focus. Sia's father, Dumasani, went to go and visit Priscilla's son, who also lives in Peter Maritzburg. And my father went to visit her son, our late teacher's son. And our late teacher's son told him that, no, her mother used to come home and tell them that. Priscilla told her son that she was having disputes with the teachers at the school. 
My father asked him, he said, okay, you're selling assets. Your mother said, if anything happens to her, we must, we must look at the teachers in school. And she said, if she were to be killed, then they must look at the teachers as suspects. So her son, my father asked her son if he can say this in front, like in a record, so we can record this. His son didn't want, he seemed uninterested. He said, no, he doesn't want to get any trouble. Dumisani, Sia's father, confirms all of this. But Priscilla's son was unreachable for this story. So he wouldn't want to speak, you don't think? That boy got his own things. I don't know what's wrong with him. He's just going to tell you, Mama, if you ask him, who do you think killed your mother? He's just going to say, it's obvious. I think of the three teachers Sia has been talking about. Miss Gabella, who followed me, Monica, who has been openly accused, and Kamalo, who owns the taxis. This case is beginning to feel increasingly dangerous and claustrophobic. And so Sia and I begin to reflect on how long this case has been going on for. That's what my father always tells me. He said that co- the case, uh, case is getting cold. Mm. I was, uh, sometimes I used to be confused. First time I was confused about this, I asked him, what you mean? He said to me, no, I mean, I mean that the case is taking a lot of time, nothing happening, no new leads. So it's getting cold. It will end up, the file will end up in some shelf in the detective office. No one will attend this. Mm. I ask if the investigation that his father has been conducting has come to an end. My father said they won't give up, he'll try, but nothing new is coming now. We all understand, man. We all knew, we all suspect these people. But he doesn't have people to support him. All the people that know something, that got any information, they don't want to talk. So now it's really hard. So we all understand still. Even my father doesn't know what to do. It now looks like I should take over the investigating. Sia and Dumasani have brought me to this point, And I think, what next? I say goodbye to Sia with promises that we'll chat again soon. I keep my eye on my rearview mirror as I drive out of the location. Vanessa, the activist, I think, has taught me well. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts.
The next day, I sit in my guest house and just phone every police contact I have. I leave messages and explain to each of them that I am a journalist working on the Laduma case. Finally, when I'm thinking, this is the end, the second investigating officer who worked on Priscilla's case, Colonel Satorli, answers my call. Hi, how are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Uh, it's not that bad. I'm good. Good. Uh, my name's uh, Paul McNally. Um, I- I'm just phoning around the case of the um, teacher at Laduma who was assassinated just over a year ago. He says he is no longer on the case or at the same station. He was deployed to Manguzi, which is about 700 kilometers from Pietermaritzburg in April 2018. The docket and case have been moved to a warrant officer called Bengu. The docket is now with warrant officer Bengu. So I'm still uh, on a deployment. I'm, no, I'm still not in a, in Pitimei respect. I'm still away from the, the station. And remember the problem, uh, it will be, uh, you see, I won't have the docket with me because it's now already allocated to our office of being. Was it linked to this case? Is that why you were moved off? Were you moved because of No, no, no. No, no, no. It was just my expertise. I had to go and assist somewhere in Mangubi area. Uh, for some other cases. Okay, so then Warren Officer Bengu, who's now working on the case, um, yeah. is he actually working on it? Or is, I mean, is it just not, it's not going anywhere, I imagine? Um, you see, it's hard for me to say because if I was doing the case and then the case is now uh, allocated to another person, it's hard for me to keep on asking him how far with the investigation because I believe on him, I know, He's a senior member. He's, uh, he's a very good investigating officer. I, 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 I guess that he's doing very well. I try and push Sitoli for some answers. Yeah, bro. Now, you see the problem. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm no longer doing the same case. But by the time when I was investigating the case, the case we were close to get the, the lead because there were some leads uh, that we got from the cell phone records as well as uh, some information of the suspect. We had some leads uh, of the suspect through uh, cell phone records and some other information. If you didn't catch that, it's worth repeating. They had information on who the suspect may be according to cell phone records. And, And these phone records, are they, is that the phone call that the suspects may be phoned the teacher just before she was killed. Is that yes, yes. Okay. In fact, uh, I think two minutes before the teacher was killed, someone phoned, and then uh, that person was pretending as if he was uh, delivering something to the school. This is the delivery of sand that we spoke about in a previous episode. But uh, there was no delivery series were made on that day. Then that is what the, with the cell phone records from the teacher confirmed. So I left the case with my commander. I don't know up to so far how how is the case going, but what I'm sure of is it is still open. So, so can you tell me a bit about the leads? Like, so you say they were police uh, cell phone records. Yes, we had some cell phone records, and then we we had some uh, what you call because we on that case we even the the, the students that were in the class yeah. managed to do an identity kit. This is likely to be Sia's handiwork the sketch that he did, when he managed to break away from being watched by the teachers and talk to the cops. This means in the docket is a rendition from Sia of the killers as detailed 
as we heard at the start of this episode. So now, when the identified result came back, they confirmed that the suspect is, they, they, they can identify the suspect. And we are, I was looking to find the suspect. Unfortunately, I had to go and attend to this uh, case with this guy in uh, Mangoji area. So Colonel Satoli got deployed to the border of Mozambique just before he could secure or make an arrest on the suspect. And then the guy that we were trying to find is moving all over. You'll find him in Durban, you'll find him along Kizamari Street, all places according to the cell phone record. And, 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 and the, the, the suspect's telephone number is on the docket? Yes, it should be there because uh, everything was there in the docket. And let me ask you, so this is sort of to try and catch the assassin, because it looked to me like it was a hit, right? Like someone, this woman was assassinated. Um, it was? Like an assassination. Like it looked to, looked to me like someone was employed to kill her. From the, oh, it was a premeditated murder. Yeah, well, it looked like, I mean, I mean the, the, the violence, you know, the way that she was shot in front of her class. Um, yeah. And the number of times she was shot, it looked to me like an assassination. It wasn't like someone, it wasn't like being killed. Oh, accidentally, yeah. It wasn't like she was killed in a bar bar brawl or something, you know. It was like someone, these people looked like they were hired killers, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, that do is possible. Yeah. 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 And then, uh, so then is there, is there, when you're looking for someone like a suspect, like an assassin, is there also an attempt to look for the person who employed the assassin, someone who paid the assassin? Yes, but yeah, you're right. You're in the right track. But the first thing you need to do when you're looking for the suspect like that, you don't first look, investigate uh, what you call the, the deceased enemy stuff like that. You first need to get the, 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 trigger, the trigger man. Mm. Then once you've got the trigger man, it's easy because most, in most cases, you'll find that the trigger people are, are talking. He will tell you the story that, no, I had no conflict. I had no, there was nothing wrong with me with the disease. It's just the fact that uh, somebody came to me with some money and then he gave me the money of so, mu- of, of so much amount. And then we made the plan. I had to go there. I looked at the place. I looked at the, 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 the person that I was supposed to shoot. Right. And then I carried out my job. It's something like that. You know, in most cases, you'll find that because it's difficult to first start investigating uh, within, say, the family thing, you can't get information because they'll hide everything. But it's easy when you first get the suspect, charge the suspect, make him appear at court. Then the court, maybe he'll give you a guilty plea, he'll be found guilty. And then after he's found guilty, you can and then go to him in prison. And, and get his statement to link the other people who are involved. Because now when when he is sentenced, it means that is like an independent witness. It's like a normal witness. Sitoli says that the trigger man, as he calls it, once arrested, may negotiate for a reduced sentence in a trade for giving up the person who employed him. When you get that number, how long does it take before you can go and, I mean, can you just phone him up immediately? Can you just go, okay, we've got the number now. Let's phone up the assassin. The suspect. Yeah. Sometimes you can't uh, phone the suspect because these days people are clever. You, yeah. you see, it's difficult. When you're trying to phone the suspect, you might let the suspect be aware that there are people who are looking at him and then he can just run more further than oh. it was. It's better. Mm, so it's not safe to phone the... So what's the, the strategy? The, 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 what, so when you get the number, what, instead of phoning him, what's the strategy to catch him? 
Yeah, you just trace where he stays uh, through the cell phone records and see where how where is uh, frequenting, and then you get that information. At least you know you're looking for a person in this area. Oh, I see. So from the cell phone records, you can tell where he's hanging out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you remember because where? phoning sometimes yeah. you can take a chance. Sometimes you might win, but like uh, uh-uh. uh, these days people they don't answer private calls. The criminals they know exactly. So they won't be able to give you the straight. Did you find out the area? Yeah, it's around uh, Geben and Mary's back. They were also able to trace the firearm. The firearm report also indicated that before he killed the teacher, the firearm was used in, in Guamashu area. or Inanda, where he killed another man. I've been to Inanda several times. It's an informal settlement in the surrounds of Durban. It's famous for being the site of violent clashes during the 80s between African and Indian residents. Really? With with that gun? With the same gun. The report shows that the same gun was used in Durban. So he lives in that area? Yeah, if he's not in Marysburg. In Marysburg, you'll find him in uh, Northdale, somewhere in the Indian township, somewhere in Marysburg. I forgot the name of the road. So, geez, so you know, you kind of know, you kind of have a good idea where he is. You see, it needs some time to to actually find where exactly he is. But yeah, it's just that I'm not, uh, I'm not now doing the case. Mm. If I was still in Marysburg, I should have caught him a long time ago. Okay. Did you did you yes. ever think that maybe one of the teachers who who works at the school had ordered the killing in order to get her job? To be honestly with you, bro, I won't tell you lies. That case is a straightforward case. Mm. I believe that uh, uh, 90% of the school teachers are aware of this killing. They know exactly what was going to happen. They know everything. It's just that now it's, uh, it's a pity we do not have an evidence at this stage. But if we can first get the hitman, then it's going to be easy because we'll come back to them arresting them. Most of them will be inside. You mean arresting the teachers? Yeah, it should. It is possible. It is possible. So you, so so ni- you say ninety percent of the teachers know. Yes, who, they fully aware. They know of who the planning the of the killing. Yes, they know. They know very well. And it's, a it's just that I don't want to speak with them at this stage because I don't have a, a strong evidence against against them. Because I mean, the people I spoke to, they said that it was a woman teacher that still works there. Most of them, in fact, when I say most of them, I think 99% or 90% of the teachers in the school, they know exactly what happened. Even the former principal who was there, he knows. The principal he's talking about, the one who immediately replaced Priscilla and then fled pretty quickly, we are going to try and find and talk to him in a later episode. The person I really need right now, though, is Bengu, the current investigating officer. Do you think it's possible for you to put me in contact with him? Uh, I I speak with him, but not uh, daily. Uh, and it's hard for me to ask him with regards to the case itself. Sitoli gives me some excuses, but says I should go visit Bengu at the station. But I can give you his number, then you can speak with him. You'll find out how far is the investigation in the case. As we speak, I'm not giving you the full report of the case, but I'm trying to highlight some of the important no, I things. I understand. Did you ever get a positive ID of the trigger man? Did you ever get um, someone to say, like to point out on a photo, this is the guy who did it? 
<laughs> no, bro. Now you see, you're driving me straight to the information that I'm not requested to to supply. That is why I I, I refer you. I also refer you to the right person, so who can tell you everything pertaining to the case. BP added more than seventy billion dollars to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. I go to try and get a look at the docket for the case at Plessislaer Police Station. This is a huge compound of a station in the center of an extremely poor informal settlement. It is the complete polar opposite of the station where Domasani, Sia's father, works, that we visited in the last episode. There are piles of litter and roaming live animals around the entrance. I see Bengu walking at me from across the parking lot. He is a tall, stern-looking man. Hello, sir. Uh, this is Warrant of Sabine. Nice to meet you. Yes. My name's Paul. Okay, nice to meet you. This is a large police station. Yes, no, it is. How many police officers do you have here? Uh, no, I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't tell you exactly. I lay out my case to the police officers. Bengo is stubborn and mute, except saying that he can't help. He says plenty is already being done, and I shouldn't worry. I leave despondent. Later that afternoon, I'm sitting on the edge of my bed in my guest house. It's the kind of place where you always feel like you are staying in someone's home, and not in a good way, with their pet birds and early curfews. And as I'm tying a shoelace, preparing to leave... Reverend Giddy phones me. You'll remember him from the first episode when I visited his office. He works for KwaZulu-Natal Christian Council. His wife is a schoolteacher, and he initially introduced me to the case of Priscilla's murder. Giddy, as his job, mediates on issues of political violence and assassinations. Now, Paul, listen, the long and short of the story is, what time is your flight back to Johannesburg? Um, I think it's in the evening. I think it's on about five, I think. Is it a five o'clock flight from so. Peter Maritzburg? Yeah. I think this is a highly uh, sensitive thing now, Paul. With uh, a family have spoken to me about it. He's talking about Priscilla's family, 
Gidi has a direct line to them, and one of them is clearly upset that I'm looking into this case. They believe they are being followed, and they think that I could be next. Immediately when I know where I'm going on Sunday, then we can arrange to meet somewhere discreet, not in my office, not in my house, because there is a feeling that they are being followed. So they were questioning you, and I told them exactly who you are and how do I know you and what security issues are involved. And so I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to find ways and means of making sure that I protect them, but also uh, that I, I also get protected. Uh, maybe uh, a strategic thing might be to meet at the airport. That, that, that's my thinking. Uh, if your flight is at five, maybe we might want to meet around about two or so so that we can uh, exhaust the issues. I'm not sure what you think. Think about it. It's not a dictation. It's just a thinking that maybe that's what we might want to do. I've never heard Reverend Giddy talk in this tone before. In an open space, but also not with everybody. Peter Maritzbeck Airport is very small. Maybe that's what we might want to do. Okay, okay, sure. Are you having any private uh, interviews with anybody? Are you meeting the detective and, and, and the person about the files? Because immediately when they spoke to me, uh, something struck. They don't trust the person also. They don't trust the police officer? No, no, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. They don't trust the police officer. But I mean, people don't tend to trust the police. No, they don't. That's why we use high-intelligence people for these kind of cases so that nobody knows who we're talking to and we never disclose where we meet and all those sort of things because they even bug the phones and all of that. So we have to tread very carefully on it because they are afraid that after this, somebody might be assassinated. Word has leaked after visiting the police. There are other interviews I want to do, but I am paralyzed. I sit in my room and listen to the owner's elderly mother's TV blare loudly through the wall all day and all night. The next morning I go and wait at the airport. I sit in the corner of the cafeteria at Peter Maritzburg Airport with as much visibility in front of me and a wall behind me. I wait for Reverend Giddy and start to question why I'm even working on this story. It is clearly provoking certain people and Giddy never arrives. I sit alone eating toasted sandwiches and thinking about Bengu. I board the flight, and by this stage, I've decided I'm going to stick with the case, but let Reverend Giddy help me. And I need to open the case out, think broader. I've been told over the phone, while confined to my guest house, that the local ANC ward councillor, Jabu Ungubu, who controls the area that houses Laduma High, met with Priscilla weeks before she died. And the meeting was important. It was about problems in the school. So this is the person I'm after. 
the ward councillor. And I particularly want to know what happened in this meeting between the ward councillor and Priscilla. been listening to episode three of Alibi's second series called Laduma High. This is number three of six episodes looking into the brutal assassination of a high school teacher and why years later there have been no arrests. This podcast has been written, edited and produced by me, Paul McNally. Thanks to Gavin Haynes, Kyla Hermanson, Jeff Kelly Lowenstein, Tom McNally and Stelz Desoy for their editorial oversight. This episode was mixed by Gwinch Sarame. The music for this series was composed by John Bartman. Finally, we want to thank our publishing partner, Arena Holdings, publishers of The Sunday Times, timeslive.co.za, Business Day, Financial Mail, and The Sowetan, and their head of multimedia, Scott Peter Smith, for supporting the project and pulling all the pieces together on their platforms. on the next episode of Laduma High. Let's go back to that with your wife. What did she tell you when you were when you told her that you were taking this job where the former principal had no, been killed? Uh, and he said, you mean now I'm going to be a widow? <laughs> and I said, no. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.